Welcome to the Discovering Our Scars podcast. We have honest conversations about things that make us different. Our mission is to talk about things you might relate to, but that you don't hear being discussed in other places. Our hope is that you're encouraged to have honest conversations with people in your own life. I'm Steph. And I'm Beth. On today's show, we're going to have an honest conversation titled, Do Good People Have Prejudice? Then we'll share a slice of life and the show will close with questions for reflection, where we will invite you to reflect on the conversation in your own life. So good. Do good people, I feel like air quotes, right? (laughs) Do quote, good people have prejudice because I feel like the default position is I'm not prejudiced. I'm a good person. I know. First of all, I want to like roll my eyes at good and bad people. Right. Like who defines what's a good person? <laughs> da, 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 da. After we came up with this title, I was like, oh my gosh, good. Like what is good? What That's is a whole nother thing. <laughs> I decided though in my head that you'll know you're a good person by someone else telling you. I think someone else, if they define you as a good person. If enough people define you as a good person, then you can say you're a good person. But I don't know that we can define ourselves as good people, which is not what this episode's about. But I really had to define it in my head. <laughs> but I think most people think of themselves as good people. Yeah, I think that's the baseline. I think yeah. people, we all think we are good people or strive to be good people. Right. But maybe it is sort of like being humble. Like if you say you're, oh, I'm so humble, then you're not humble. Yeah. Maybe it's the same thing with good. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. It let's baseline. Everyone's a good person. So is Agreed. everybody not prejudiced? <laughs> oh, so no, I don't think that that's true. I don't, I don't think we can say, well, no, well then that leads to the question of the day. Could good, are good people prejudiced? I don't know. Do you have any prejudices? Well, first of all, Beth, you have to tell me if I'm a good person because I can't say if I am or not. I definitely think that you're a good person. I think that you, and I think you're a good person because I think that you care about other people and you care about what happens in general in the world. So you're not, you're not just, you're not self-centered or you're not only focused on yourself or, you know, what's good for you. I think that you're concerned about the broader good. And I think that makes you a good person. Okay. So then the question is, am I prejudiced, Beth? I don't know. You you once told me that oh. there was a prejudice that you were embarrassed to admit to me, but that you had to admit to me. Am I going to have to do and it? so now I think you oh should my gosh. share it on the should podcast. Should I tell that story? Oh, I still feel like, ugh, about it. Okay, so this was See, like... Now listen, if you weren't a good person, I don't think you would ever have that ugh feeling. I, think I would just a, have it and not you even... Would, you would be like, I don't care. So Well, we'll see. Okay, yeah, we'll see. Okay, so I still feel a little like weird about this so now i'm gonna admit it i've already admitted it to you <laughs> but i realized this so as we were starting the podcast or like when we were pre-planning and stuff i realized i had this like this deep secret that i felt and that i like that i had and i like as we started like working together more i kept realizing like this is so bad. I can't believe that I am thinking this way and I feel this way. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Like, I feel like I'm like living a lie, not telling Beth this. And I can't tell Beth this because this is horrible. This makes me a bad person that I think this way, but this is just how I think. And I finally decided that I had to admit it to you. And I thought she might not want to do the podcast with me anymore if I admit it to her because this is horrible and I'm a bad person because I'm thinking this. But it wasn't that horrible. So... I sat you down and I said, I have a prejudice against Russian people. Which was a big deal because both of my kids are Russian. (laughs) Yes. And so I felt really bad. And I like best kids. I think they're awesome. Me too. I like them too. I like, 
but I also felt like I was like lying or just like, I felt like I was like hiding this part of me that's, that had this prejudice. So in college I had a Russian roommate and it was not a great situation. If you want more details, read my book, discovering my scars. We'll put a link in the podcast show notes. But, um, so that was the first like truly Russian russian person like from russia that i knew and she was not a good roommate she was not a good roommate not a great person but because she was the first person of that cultural that culture that i knew that set my whole understanding of that culture which was completely not fair to all russians to lump them in with one person that i met that just wasn't a good person there were a lot of not good americans What if someone from Russia meets a not good American for the first time? What is their opinion? You know, so when you think about it that way, so I had a fair point, but, but also I do want to say like, not that you need to be defended, but I want, do want to say that you had that experience at a formative time in your life and the ways that she was not a good roommate actually impacted your mental health in such a way that you ended up in a mental hospital. So it's not, it wasn't just nothing. It wasn't like, you know, she talked too loudly on the phone or she played her music too loud. There were substantive issues there. Yeah. And it was, there were cultural differences. um, But ultimately she just, you know, there's not good people. She was just a selfish person (laughs) in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. Um, So that was something that I really felt bad about. And I really just felt like I had to admit it. And I finally told you and you were like, okay. Okay. (laughs) I kind of get where you're coming from. Yeah. And I also know that you don't hold that against my kids. Yeah. And so I think it's good to admit it so that you can. But I will tell you, it was like really, it was like really wearing on me for a long time. And I felt like I was like harboring this like lie or this like, not a lie, but I was like keeping it from you. And once I told you, like, I don't really think about it ever again. Like it's not a thing. And I, you know, like your kids just as much as I did before. And I don't feel like there's like this thing that I'm like hiding from you. Like it was truth that I needed to say to get it out there. And then I was done with it. Like I don't harbor any kind of, any kind of weirdness or like feel like I'm, you know, not being truthful. So I do feel like that was so good for me to admit. And you were so, you know, generous and not being like, well, Peace out. <laughs> How could you say that about my children? Right. Right. Because also, I mean, they're American. They are. They are American. It's true. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think it is hard to admit our prejudices because there is this part of me that says that where I say to myself, like, if I have a prejudice, that is bad. And therefore, I'm a bad person. Yeah. And I am coming up against this in ways that really surprise me in the work that I'm doing right now. Cause I'm, I'm working mm. at a, at a hospital doing some training with the, the spiritual care department, which is like to be a hospital chaplain. And I shocked myself. I had to, had to do my first 24 hour shift. So I was on duty for 24 hours. And that means that, you know, I was on duty in the wee morning hours and a little bit after midnight, I got a page because beepers are still a thing, by the way, y'all. They still use them in hospitals. I've never we'll had a, a beeper before. And can we put a link in the show notes to what that looks like? Open oh, yeah. on our BMAC page. Open we'll on our BMAC page. Yeah, it's 2021 and I've been given a beeper. So anyway, I got a, t- uh, a page that I needed to come to the emergency room for a gunshot wound. And when I got there, this is really embarrassing. But when I got there, I was surprised that it was a white man. Oh. That's, that's really terrible. That's really mm. not okay. I was able to, I immediately recognized 
what I had done in my own mind, I immediately recognized that it was not okay. And I ha- am committed to continuing to, to work through that. Interestingly, as I have shared this with some colleagues, part of what was hard for me in that experience was that I didn't feel like the medical staff were as compassionate as I really wanted them to be. And as I have shared with colleagues, like, oh, yeah, there was a gunshot wound that came in, you know, like around one o'clock in the morning. And, and it was my first exposure to this in the hospital. And I was, you know, the, the medical staff was very good in terms of attending to the medicine of the situation, but the bedside manner kind of left something, you know, to be desired. And colleagues have said, was it an African-American patient? Mm. Because there are sometimes, oh. there's sometimes bias in mm. how healthcare is delivered. Wow. And I was like, no, but actually it has raised some of my own awareness of my own prejudice because. Mm-hmm. So you were surprised they were not, ha- didn't have good side bedside manner to the white man that was shot. And your when you shared with your colleagues, they assumed that it was an African-American man and that's why they didn't have good bedside manner. Yes, I was, I was assuming when I saw that it was a gunshot wound, I just from what I have read in the news in our community and knowing where most of that kind of violence happens, I thought that when I went to see the patient that it would, he would be African-American. I knew it was a man because it said that on the page. And because of your, and uh, and because of the racism that we have been raised to believe. (laughs) Exactly. It's just, it's like this unidentified inherent belief in me that is not okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what our TV shows have shown us. That's what our you know history has shown us. That's what the news shows us. So that would be our assumption, which is something that we have to change. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good to be aware of that. Yeah. Awareness, I think, is the first step in changing it. But also, as embarrassing as it is to admit it, I, I want to admit it and I want to admit it on the podcast because I want all of us to know that it's okay to admit our prejudice yeah. so that we can then work on it instead of being like, oh no, I'm going to pretend like I don't have any, that you're never going to work on it. If you, yeah. it's just like you were saying about once you admitted that you had this prejudice against Russians because of this one experience, it was like, oh, now I don't feel the weight of that. Mm-hmm. And also it's not getting in my way anymore. Exactly. Yeah. It's a non-issue now. Well, as you were talking about that, that made me realize when I was, um, when I was actually back, you know, in college and I was in the mental hospital, um, I was really treated poorly by the medical professionals because I presented with um, cuts on my arm and back in the day. And now I think it's more understood what non-suicidal self-injury is um, although I still don't know if I would be tr- have treated differently, but anyways, everyone that I interacted with really treated me poorly because they thought I was trying to kill myself was their kind of assumption. I assume no one said that right. specifically, but that was my assumption and I was really, really treated poorly. So they kind of had this prejudice of, um, Oh, you know, she, she's, you know, trying to end her life. So why are we going to take care? Why should we mm. treat her like a human being? Yeah. So I, I definitely know how that feels and, don't think that's fair for anyone to have to experience. Yeah. So something that I think is interesting about prejudice is I think a lot of it comes from, you know, one interaction with a a group um, or, you know, one interaction with something that's different than we've experienced before. So that's something, you know, when I went to college, I, I grew up in Tallahassee, Florida, and there's, you know, a lot of people that look like me and you here (laughs) and there's some that don't um but i i do wish we had a little bit more diversity here um but when i went to college i had actually 
in my I had three roommates. I had a Jewish roommate. I had a Egyptian roommate and I had a Russian roommate, um, three completely different cultures, which actually I thought was very cool to be able to experience com- things I had never experienced before. And then I also started dating a guy that was Cuban when I was in college. And so I had just all these different cultures, very interesting. Um, but a similar experience, um, you know, the person I was dating when it, when it ended, um, again, all of this back to the mental hospital that was all around the same time. Great timing. <laughs> I'm realizing. Um, so when the college that, years were just the best for you. I know they, it was. So. It was great. You know, <laughs> um, I well, I wouldn't change it though. Like as much as it's like, wow, it's all coming back to this. So in that regard, having had a bad interaction with somebody of Cuban descent, I again had a similar prejudice towards people from Cuban descent. Oh my goodness! And. Um, and, and it's like, because that was the first person that I met and it didn't end well, it kind of like tainted my my um, meeting of other people. And now I've met many other people. I have people in my neighborhood that are of Cuban descent and um, and they're great people. And even, you know, the guy I dated was a good person. It just was kind of circumstance circumstances. But that's something that I try to be very aware of, of my prejudices, because I feel like we all have prejudice based on our life experiences. And so I try to identify like if I, you know, if I meet somebody from a certain, um, you know, demographic that I've had a bad experience with in the past and I kind of have like a odd feeling when I meet them, like, huh, why am I, you know, a little bit taken aback by this? Um, then I try to examine it like, okay, you know, well, this is someone Russian. Oh, this is someone like my roommate. Oh, I didn't have a good interaction with her. Wait a minute. This is a brand new person this person doesn't deserve to be treated poorly just based on my one experience with somebody. And so I think the more I'm conscious of those things, the more I can give each person I meet, you know, a fair chance. And that's something that I try to do. So I think that's why it's so important to recognize prejudice and identify where it comes from, where in our past um, it comes from and how we can do better in the future to not place those, you know, unfounded experiences on on other people that have no context to that. And just because they're from the same cultural background means does not mean in any way that they are like that, you know, person that we had a bad experience with. One way that I've seen this come up in in the church, for example, is sometimes churches will have a woman pastor and it doesn't go well. And so then they'll say to the powers that be, because in the United Methodist system, pastors are sent. Churches don't hire pastors. They're sent to them. From God? And, no, from, oh. from the appointed cabinet of their conference. Oh, it'd be easier if it was from God. Right? So they'll say, well, obviously, having a woman pastor didn't work for us, so you're going to have to mm-hmm. just send us a man. Mm-hmm. And I will say that the the two bishops who I have been able to have a conversation with about this in the United Methodist system, they recognize that that's prejudice based on one experience. And so they'll say, well, have you never had a bad experience with a male pastor? And then that makes people go, oh yeah, we have. Well, you would never tell me not to send you a man just because you had one bad experience, right? This is not a gendered issue. Mm -hmm. This is a personality issue or some other problem, you know, at the root of it. Which goes to show that we have to have more integration of all types of people in all roles in all places because I think the norm for too long has been a white guy is in this role and mm-hmm. that's what we have seen. And when we have 
one woman that breaks through, if you know they don't align with that woman, then 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 that sets the precedent that you know women shouldn't be in that role. Or if you know a black man is in that role, that sets the precedent, and and that's not okay. Like we need to be, even if it's not the best person for a role, like. We have to be encouraging people to do the things that they love to do and feel led to do. I think that's a big part of it is for so long it's like, oh, you can't you can't do that. You're a X, Y and Z. You can't do that. You're an X, Y and Z. Um, You know, something that happened this week, um, we're recording this on the 22nd of January. Something that happened this week is we got the first vice president female in Yes. The White House. I was just thinking yes. about her. I was and like, that, imagine the pressure. Yes, I know, right? And there's going to be people that if she doesn't do a good job, that are going to be like, see, this is why women shouldn't be in the White House. Has there been any other, has there been any male vice presidents that exactly. didn't do a good job? Was it because they were male? Was it because maybe they just weren't good you know so that is a lot of pressure to put on her yeah. and i'm not gonna put that pressure on her you know i think she's gonna do a great whether job. she was republican democrat whatever like it's a moment to cherish this is a huge step for women to have this of important as a role and next will be president don't worry about it but this is such a huge move for women it doesn't ma- in my mind it doesn't matter the politics like this is a huge move for women women need to be in all roles they need to be encouraged to do the things that they're excited about so i'm very excited about it and let's not kid ourselves there are some men who are very unhappy to have a woman as the vice president and there is a part of me that wants to say because of that prejudice they're not good people but the more (laughs) that we talk about this the more i'm thinking okay that's maybe not a fair statement you know that breeds brings me to another thing that i'm like super uncomfortable to admit but i'm pretty sure i might have admitted it before on the podcast i might have (laughs) i have a prejudice against white men right that's a tough one right but i do which is which is big because there's a lot of white men in a lot of roles that doesn't mean that i despise all white men i more than likely will marry a white man one day i don't know i might marry a black man i might wa- marry someone of a different culture i don't know but odds she's are, open to options folks by the <laughs> I, way i'm open to all men yes <laughs> in a not weird way like <laughs> uh, in a very like meeting and saying hello to all these men <laughs> that's a keeper for the podcast for sure so anyways <laughs> I, um, but I do have, I do have a prejudice and a lot of that comes from many interactions with white men, which I think if anything we've experienced in this world, most of us is probably white men. I think that's probably been most of our experiences. It has been the majority (laughs) of my experiences. I would, I would think so. Like it just, it just is. So of course, um, I've had a lot of experiences kind of based that prejudice on, but, um, for me, a lot of it comes from, I have been, um, abused by sexually abused by white men in my life. And, um, and that's something that runs very deep and something that I deal with and live with. And so there is a part of me that, um, if I see a white man walking, um, and I'm alone, there is a part of me, there's a part of my brain that instantly thinks like, what if he tries to take advantage and overpower me? Like that is something that is just kind of innate in me. And I am aware of, and I, like, I don't let it, not let me go places alone. Like, I don't right. think it's fair to like 
say well, like, well, I can't go places alone because, you know, I might be overpowered. I try to, you know, I always have my phone and things like that. And I don't walk at, you know, in the dark and stuff like that. But I also don't let it control me to the point where I can't do normal human things. Right. You don't take unnecessary risks, but you also don't let that, those past experiences stop you from living a full life. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But also it's understandable given your experiences that you would be wary. Mm-hmm. That, that I think that that's wise. Yeah. Yeah. And also like that doesn't mean when I meet a white man that I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, a horrible person. Like I right. do, I'm aware that I have this prejudice, but I also try to give everyone a fair, a fair chance. Like I, um, I'm on my guard in the sense that I'm very present when I meet someone, a, a new white man, I'm very present and try to, you know, read the signals and find out what kind of person this is. Um, but, um, but I don't just like disregard well, I, you just, you literally can't like our world is full of white men. Like you could not just do that. Um, but I, um, I know a lot of good white men. Yes. <laughs> I know a lot of bad white men. Um, your husband's a good white man. Oh, I was yes. scared for a second. You know, I know a lot of bad white men too. And then you said my husband, and I was like, wait a second. He's a good <laughs> Can you one. Imagine now he's a great one. He's a good one. He's a great one. We've had, we've had three guests on the podcast who have been white men. Yes. Actually, was that our last episode? We had a white, no, our two episodes two ago, ago, we had a white man. Yeah. Yeah. David. We had David. Yeah. And before him, we had Samuel. Yes. And before him, great. we had Daniel. He's okay. <laughs> He's a good old white man. He's my bro, guys. I can give him a hard time. So what's the difference between having a stereotype of someone and having a prejudice? Like, can I... They're different, right? They're related, but they're different? Is a stereotype a prejudice that is, like, widely accepted? Is that what it is? <laughs> Like it's almost a stereotype is something that is like culturally accepted as something, but a prejudice is something that's more personal to you specifically based on your history. Cause I think a stereotype is not necessarily based on my history. It's based on a cultural history of like right. a culture or something. Right. Um, so I would think stereotyping is less personal to you and prejudice is, is personal to your experiences. I wonder if prejudice involves in some way more thought or more action. If a stereotype is, is maybe more superficial, like I have blonde hair. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's a stereotype about people with blonde hair that gets reflected in blonde jokes. And this is a very meaningless example. I'm just picking it, you know, out of nothing. So there are stereotypes about that, but I don't feel like I've ever experienced prejudice because of my hair color. Does that make sense? It's more superficial. But maybe that maybe that example is more superficial. You know, I think you could experience prejudice for having blonde hair as much as it seems like a superficial example. I think one of the stereotypes is blondes are not as intelligent as, you know, brunettes or something like that. So you could experience a prejudice like if somebody somebody could be prejudiced against blondes and and start talking to you and and realize like, oh, she's smart. That's weird because she has blonde hair, you know, <laughs> so I did. Go to, I do remember many, many years ago, I, I think I was even I, I was in law school and I had to go to a new dentist and he said, well, I only know two kinds of jokes. I got blonde jokes, which I can't tell. So you'll have to sit and listen to my lawyer jokes. And I was like, well, actually, I'm in law school. And he was like, I got nothing then. I got blonde jokes and lawyer jokes. That's all I got. And I was like, I'm envisioning him as a white man. Am I accurate? Shockingly true. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yes. 
Oh my gosh. Please don't <laughs> recommend him. I already don't like him. Yeah. He's retired now. <laughs> wow. Well, and on the same side of that, I've experienced a lot of prejudice just being a female in non-traditional female roles. Right. Um, you know, we've talked about this before, um, like on our YouTube channel. I get a lot of get back in the kitchen. Yes, I get a lot of. Uh, by the way, we created a playlist on our uh, Mother Daughter Projects pay YouTube channel for um, called "Back in the Kitchen," and it's projects that we've done in the kitchen, not food related. But I'll have to put a link to that. Yes, it's um, you know we've done a backsplash in the kitchen. We've installed a new light in the kitchen. We've replaced the filter in the fridge in the kitchen. So. For those that want us to get back in the kitchen, we'll link to those play that playlist when people say that now. <laughs> but I've experienced prejudice just as a female. Um, and it's interest it's interesting because I shared something literally happened on an inauguration day, on like the greatest day. By the way, my mom and I were watching the inauguration like all day. It was so exciting. I don't think I've ever watched an inauguration, presidential inauguration that I can remember. Uh, we were watching all day and we wore pearls and chucks um, for awesome. in honor of Kamala. But later in that day, I have a list of the best times to go to certain places like stores, um, you know, during Given COVID. COVID yeah. yeah, during COVID where it's not busy. So anyways, FYI, Home Depot, 4 p.m. on Wednesday, best time to go. And so I needed to, I am working on a project, but I needed to see what wood they had available because they've been out of stock of a lot of different varieties um, due to COVID. There's just been a lot of like, stuff missing and when i got there i found the thing i wanted was not there so mm. i had to kind of re-figure out what i was going to get anyways i was looking at sanded plywood random just looking at it putting taking a picture because i was doing my figuring out what they had and this guy stops literally stops dead in his tracks and he says what could you possibly be doing with sanded plywood i'm just How curious rude. i'm just How rude <laughs> was it a white man <laughs> do we have a theme here <laughs> Well, I was at Home Depot in the wood section <laughs> at four you're, o'clock on a Wednesday. You have a great, you have a, yeah. <laughs> he was wearing a mask, so I very much uh, approved of that. So my first reaction was, "What the f? What would you do with Santa plywood? I mean, Santa plywood. First of all, is so versatile. You could make a million different things. Like, it's not. It's not like it was like this weird oddity. That's like, what could you possibly do? It was sand and plywood. Like." You could do anything with it. And so I just kind of turn around and I just like had all these things run through my head in a split second. And I just say, I'm making a TV stand <laughs> very nicely <laughs> instead of all the things I wanted to yell. That was polite. Of and you. so then he proceeds to tell me about a, a st something that he made and some wood he used. And I was like, OK, great. Thank you. And we proceeded. Um, and you know that he left that conversation feeling like he was an expert. <laughs> yes. Even though. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Um, pretty sure but you probably have more. Knowledge I told that. that story to a friend of mine, and um, and he was and because I, I, my assumption of the story is this guy was shocked to see a woman in the wood section looking at sanded plywood. By the way, but I told this story to a friend of mine, and I said, I mean, this is why we need women in all types of roles because this guy thought it was such an odd thing to see a woman looking at plywood. And he was like, well, how do you know it was because you're a woman? <laughs> what else would it have been? That you're young? I'm sorry, but I've experienced enough of this to right. know. You like, know what it is. We, Me and my mom were literally, do you, you know, okay, you know what metric is. Other yes. countries metric. We in Home Depot metric sells. Metric is a 10-based math system. Exactly. Way better than ours, but whatever. <laughs> we were in the metric section of screws one day in Home Depot. And because 
we need a dimensric screw a screw on a um foreign uh table saw we had from uh, japan was had fallen off we need a new screw and they use metric anyways we were in the metric section literally a home depot worker at the end of the aisle like walking past yells at us says that's the metric section <laughs> <laughs> literally we just turn like we know yeah and he's like oh but but the intention was like don't look at the metric section right. there is no way right. you could need a metric screw you're in the wrong part of the store yes. right and i just i'm sorry but I can't imagine some worker that has no context of what a man is doing in the metric section would yell at a man and say, you're in the metric section. Right. First of all, I know I'm in the metric section. I came here it on purpose. It has drawers. It's completely different than all the other screws you have here. We know this is what we were looking for. Anyways, I've had enough experiences. You know, no shade yes, to Home Depot. Yes, you know yes. I love Home Depot. And, and they love you. One of the things that I love about Home Depot is I love that we get to just walk around and no one like we usually don't get asked if we need help and if we do like that's great you know we usually don't but um i like that we can just kind of walk around and do our thing but then we sometimes have these interactions that are just it's fine it's whatever but it's like i've had enough interactions to know that when a man stops me in a shocked tone that it's based on me my gender it's based on it's gender. based on my gender right. and and it's such a weird because defense they have, mechanism or like a weird flex for the man who you told about who he told about this experience to be like well how do you know this because you're a woman it's like that's another that's like telling me i'm in the metric section yeah. <laughs> i it, i know that it's because i'm yeah. a woman because i'm in don't doubt my experience yeah. yeah because i'm in women's skin and this is what i experience on a daily basis like when i go to these places and so anyways I assume these guys have prejudice against women in these places that they cannot even fathom that women would be doing these things and what they would be doing. And that is part of why, like, my mom and I put our videos online because we want women and men to see us doing these things. We want to see that we can do these. We enjoy doing them. We know how to do these things and make it not a shocking thing to see, but just make it a regular thing to see. You're combating the stereotype yeah. that is that only men do DIY or exactly. only men do home improvement. Yeah. So after the the insurrection at the Capitol on January 6th, the Florida United Methodist Conference put out a statement. I may have referenced this in the last episode, um, but they put out a statement basically saying we have to admit that white privilege is real and whiteness is a cultural reality it was a true statement, but I was not surprised um, that there was a lot of backlash to it. But one of the things that, that was said in response to this was, and more than one person seemed to have this attitude, but one person specifically phrased it way, this way, that she was tired of the racism, quote, being spewed against white people. <laughs> racism towards white people? Right, which I don't actually think by the definition of what racism is and how it involves a power dynamic. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think that that could even be true. But it raises a question for me about how do I interact with people who are unaware or unwilling to admit or unable mm -hmm. to admit their own prejudices. Yeah. The people who want to say, no, I'm not prejudiced. I'm a good person. Yeah. And oh, by the way, don't tell me that white privilege is real because that's you being a racist towards me. Like I, I don't, I, I like something is breaking down there for me that I feel like I don't know how to, I don't know how to engage in a conversation. 
I don't know. I mean, I think that all we can do is us. Like all we can do is control what we do and how we share. And I believe everybody has prejudice. Like everybody has life experiences that has led them, you know, in certain ways. And I, and I think we all have some type of prejudice. And I think it's so important for us to recognize it and to admit it, to admit it to another person, someone that we trust, like let them know, because, you know, once it's out there and once we, you know, say it, we can actually start working on it. And it, and it goes along with, you know, our mental health in our, you know, our past, uh, you know, traumas and things like that. If we don't admit them, they're just going to keep eating uh, away at us. I mean, that's something that, um, you know, I've talked about having post-traumatic stress disorder before from being in the mental hospital and the literal cure for it is talking about the trauma that happened, which mm. is so ridiculous that all I have to do is talk about it and it makes it better. And, I hate that that's the answer because I'm like, I want some like crazy, like hard thing. Yeah, I want it to be hard. But it really did like it really did help. And it doesn't control me anymore because of talking about it. And there is so much cleansing that happens by talking and literally getting it out. Like the words getting out is so cleansing. And, uh, you know, I think that's the first step in in addressing our prejudice is saying, yeah, I'm prejudiced. <laughs> towards right. you know x y and z so is that a start is that a way that i can start a conversation with someone who's reacting in that way to be like you know i hear where you're coming from but i have realized in the last whatever time period a lot of my own prejudices and it's been hard to admit but i don't, I don't know i just feel well i think that something like they won't hear me something well you can't dictate who hears you who doesn't if you are like truly connected with somebody, um, you know, I have you have to hope that they would actually give you the time to hear your words, whether it makes a change in their life. We have no control over that. Um, but I know from, you know, Celebrate Recovery that I statements are very important. Mm. I this is how I feel. This is me and not using broad we or you statements. Mm -hmm. No one. I don't know anyone that really responds well to you, you need to do this <laughs> and you need to do that. Like no one responds well to that. No one wants to be told what to do. But all I can do is focus on me and me. So if you're talking to somebody about prejudice, you know, open up, tell them about the prejudice that you have. And, you know, it's embarrassing and it's scary and it's hard to say, but uh, I think that's that's how a conversation could get started. Whether it will change anything or not, I don't know. I don't know the person in your life and you won't know, um, you know, for sure, like if it's made a difference, but. Um, yeah, I think you know, you're right. I think, I think it depends on, I think it's important to try and I think it depends on relationship. Yeah. Like, like so many other things that you have to have some, you have to go into the conversation with some credibility and a willingness to be vulnerable. So Beth, I've admitted some of my, some of my prejudice that I have. I'm curious, are you prejudiced towards any large group that you are? There was a, or are you a good person? So of course you're not. Yeah, I'm a pretty good person if I do say so myself. No, I mean, I think that what I'm learning, I have a prejudiced view of violence and who it affects. That's, that's not okay. I'm I'm thinking like more broadly too. Like I'm thinking after 9-11, was there a part of me that was like, oh my gosh, Muslim people hate America. And so <laughs> do I have issues, you know, like, yeah. and, and I do think that I had to work through some of that because I, I remember reading um, Malala's book and, and like having to tell myself like, I, no, I remember being surprised. I remember being surprised reading Malala's book and understanding 
what a good person she was and how her faith contributed in such a significant way to her being a good person and how that kind of rewired some things for me. So I definitely have prejudices and it's for some reason it's easier to identify the ones that I've kind of have worked through than the ones that I'm still needing to address. Do you have a prejudice against white men? Well, on a if all things being relative, it's not as bad as yours. Your prejudice is way worse. Because you're a good person and I'm not. That's right. Because I'm a good person. No, I, I, I love that. Point a finger at me. None are pointing back at you, huh? Oh yeah. Yeah. Three are pointing back at me. Yeah. I, um, I know there are some people who I've, who my gut tells me maybe I wouldn't trust them off the bat. That's, that's gotta be a prejudice. But is it everybody or is it like, do you trust every, do you trust most people off the bat? Uh, I don't trust anybody hundred percent. I think we've mentioned that. I trust most <laughs> people off the bat, but there are some people for whom I would, it would be harder for me to trust them. Like, okay. Like, like you meet someone new and you trust them. Yeah. For the most part, I wow. will say this. I tend to trust white women. I don't trust anyone right away. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's hard for me to say. I would feel I mean, that's hard to like quantify how quickly I trust somebody. It's definitely not right away. Um, probably, I, I mean, yeah, I would probably trust women quicker than I do men. I don't, for me, I don't think it's like white versus black women necessarily. Like, no. I think it's just women. Right. I think, I think of black women as especially powerful. And so sometimes that's intimidating to me. I think black men, women are very intimidating. Yeah. And I like just want to be like, I just, I, I went, hi, you're the best. Like, <laughs> I like, I, cause I actually had a third grade, my third grade teacher um, was um, a black woman and mm. she was like one of the first like black women that I like interacted with and a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. And she was like the very best teacher. I think she actually won teacher of the year that year because mm. she's awesome. Um, but she's very no nonsense. So that was my very first like reaction with like a black woman. And, and so that was just like my, like, oh, She's like, she's really good. You listen to her. You don't, you don't. And she wasn't like mean. She was just like, no nonsense. Right. And so that's like. She was in charge. Yeah. And so based on that, that's been like my kind of view of, of black women. Yeah. Um, Well, it's interesting because it's like you had an experience that created what I would say is a more positive. Yeah. I don't think that's a prejudice. I think that's a, um, yeah, that's like a positive view. Kamala awesome. I super support her. It's two things. Excited for female in the VP and excited about Kamala, who I've actually been following for years. Like even before um, this, I had been following her and had always kind of had a good feeling about her in interviews and seeing, you know, her policies and just her beliefs. I had always gotten a good feeling about her. So um, yeah, so there was no question in my mind that she was the right choice. Yeah. In hindsight, Sarah Palin would not have been a good first woman in the in the executive branch, you know, but I don't think I don't, that's my personal view on it. And I voted for her. I, I don't think it would have been detrimental. I still think it would have been a step for women. I mean, I see what you're saying because when a woman, like, like you said, when a, a female pastor is put into a role and they don't do a good job, then it's seen as all women won't be Mm -hmm. good in that role. But I don't know. I, and even if she had been the first VP female and she didn't do good a job in the role, I still think it would have been a step for women. And I still think it would have made it easier for women to be woman. in that yeah. in that role. 
Um, I don't know that a one woman would have come, you know, right next after that. But I don't know. To me, I don't think a bad woman in the role sets you completely back. I think you're probably right because to be set completely back, I don't. I don't know. Gosh, I don't know. I th- I think any step forward is a good thing. That's 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 my opinion. I yeah. I can't think of situations where it's been like so detrimental. Um, I think having Barack Obama, the first black mm-hmm. male president, was a great step, and um, I don't see harm. I see good from that, and I'm excited to see excited to see another black male president, another female president, another female black president. All the things I'm ready to see all the things uh, yes, coming because up because it doesn't. None of that dictates whether or not you're capable, and that's and I do agree with making sure we're hiring the right people in the right roles. Like right. I do not believe that Biden picked Kamala because she's a female and that was it. Done deal. She's female. Like she was the right person for the role. Right. I believe that. Right. But everything about the inauguration, I think showed his genuine commitment mm-hmm. to, to, to being more inclusive and in who has a voice in government and, and who is given a platform. I mean, our poet laureate, yes. amazing. I know, amazing. Twenty two years old. Yeah, amazing with language. Amazing presentation. You know, she has a speech impediment. She had to work really hard to be able to pre- to present the poem the way that she did. But I just, wow. I mean, I don't know about you, but like there was a huge sense of like relief and <sighs> could finally breathe. Um, after four years when when the inauguration happened, right? Well, and Dr. Fauci. Um, we're kind of steering off into current events, but he, he, you could sense that in him. Yeah. When he's at the phone, you could sense this, like, I can just focus on science, right? Like this relief from him, you know? And, and, and I don't know, you would probably know this best, best Beth. Has there been any other president with a bigger Bible than Biden? <laughs> can you tell us that? Have you researched that? Cause that gosh, that darn interesting. It was quite, that's a Bible. A Bible. It was quite a Bible. Yeah. I don't know how many books are in that Bible, but I feel like it's bigger than my Bible. <laughs> well, he's Roman Catholic. So he would have more than the 66 oh, books that are in your Bible. Yes, yeah. that's true. Yeah. He would have the whole Apocrypha and maybe, maybe more. I don't know. It, they said it's from like 1800s. Mm-hmm. Like it's an old Bible. Stephen Colbert said, that Bible is the version that has the extra Jesus in it. <laughs> it's like every denomination just added something to this Bible. <laughs> we got to put a picture of the Bible in the show notes. We will. We'll that, do that. We'll do I that. hope it has its own Twitter handle now because that Bible. <laughs> Biden's Bible. Yes. If it doesn't, we should, start, we should start that Twitter handle. Yeah. I mean, Bernie's gotten all the love with his meme, his but mittens. that Bible, come on. <laughs> that Bible. Birdies oh, we should put Bi- Bernie in our podcast studio. We should. We should. We'll we'll put it on our BMAC page. We'll take a yeah. picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of our BMAC page, we have decided to expand the podcast experience using buymeacoffee.com. We've done that because we have so much fun making this podcast and we've heard from people, you know, wondering how they can support us. And so we decided that we would start this buy me a coffee page. You can go there and you can buy us a cup of coffee or for Steph, a cup of tea, or you can even become a monthly supporter. And that gives you access to PDFs of the questions for reflection. And and we put pictures and outtakes and polls and some of the things we've mentioned today that we're going to put on there, like our our, um, Senator Sanders meme, (laughs) put him here in the podcast studio. So check out the link in our description and 
you'll see some fun stuff. Well, Beth, we kind of talked a little bit <laughs> in the episode more than I thought we would about the inauguration because I want to talk about it in the slice of life, but I don't think I'm going to move it. I'll keep it where it was in editing. Okay. I've, keep it there. Yes. I'll keep it where it is. But just to reiterate, inauguration day was awesome. And I wanted to remind everybody that if you are enjoying listening to this podcast, um, something that you can do to um, help other people find this podcast is to give us a five-star rating in your podcast app. You just scroll down to the bottom and there'll be stars there. Just hit the fifth star and you've done your star service. We appreciate it. Thank you. Now, Beth, I know you have weird news for me sometimes, and I don't know if you have something weird today. I do have something weird today. So we are Florida women, right? We, we live in Florida. Yes. We're both born and raised in Florida. Yes. And I feel like Florida gets a bad rap, right? Like there's this idea of like the Florida man who is always doing something crazy, often with an alligator, yes. right? So I was interested today to read about... Um, a new law that's being proposed in the state of Oklahoma because there is a lawmaker in Oklahoma named Justin Humphrey. He's a Republican and he is sponsoring a bill in the upcoming legislative session to create a new hunting season in Oklahoma that will be specifically for hunting Bigfoot. (laughs) So... He doesn't want anyone to kill Bigfoot. He wants them to trap a live Bigfoot. But actually, that's not what the bill says. It, the, this legislation would direct the Oklahoma Wildlife Conservation Commission to create rules, dates, licenses, and fees for a Bigfoot hunting season. And it would award $25,000 to anyone who can trap a Bigfoot. Oh, my gosh. Now... Maybe you're a Bigfoot believer. Maybe maybe you stuff are secretly on the hunt for Sasquatch. I don't know. But I don't I don't think the Bigfoot is real. So the idea that there's like gonna be a law in Oklahoma about how to about when to hunt these and to be licensed to hunt them. Um, I I think, you know, all due respect to those who complain about Florida man. Let's talk about <laughs> Oklahoma man. Well, I like that. Yes, you have shifted it to Oklahoma. I do approve of that. But also, why would you need a hunting license to trap Bigfoot? Hunting is like shooting something. Good question. So why, if you are wanting them to trap and get a reward, why would that not be any time? What? Why do you need a license for that? I mean, there's just all shades of crazy there. I don't even... Has it passed or he's like presenting? It's only it? proposal right now, but it's Oklahoma. But you know, if it was Florida, someone would try to get that in as an amendment in our constitution. <laughs> and you know what? If it was on the ballot, that sucker would pass. And that's why Florida is a hot mess. No, I'm trying to deflect attention away from but Florida. But you know, if that was an amendment, you know it passed because every single amendment always passes on our. They usually do on our um, ballots, and it's ridiculous. We have some ridiculous things in our constitution like about that should pigs. not be touched. It is crazy. Yeah. Don't get me started. I Ogl- was not trying to get you started. I was but trying you, to get you, you to pro- think about Oklahoma. I re- I have no desire to think of Oklahoma and no <laughs> desire to think of crazy people. But now I have. Weird. Weird. At the end of each episode, we end with questions for reflection. 
these are questions based on today's show that Beth will read and leave a little pause between. And then if you want to get a PDF, you can find it on our Buy Me a Coffee page. Number one, what are your prejudices? Are you willing to admit them to yourself or others? Number two, have you experienced prejudice towards yourself? Reflect on that experience. Number three, what past experiences have created your prejudices? And number four, do you think white privilege is real? How has it affected you? This has been the Discovering Our Scars podcast. Thank you for joining us.